All right, welcome to January 13th on Joe's Daily U.S. History Lesson. I'm your host, Joseph DeCristoforo, and this show is going through some changes. Yes, it is. I'm working on the new YouTube channel with new content hot off the keystrokes of my fingertips. I still do my own research, recording, editing, and marketing, but I think the time has come for me to change the name of this podcast. It's that word history. It sounds so boring. Lately, I've been asking for input on what to change the name to, and I appreciate the response from my friends thus far. What do you think about Joe's Daily U.S. Freedoms? Hit me up on Facebook, facebook.com slash Joe's Daily U.S. History Lesson. Thanks very much for that. Don't forget to like and share while you're there. And now on to today's headlines. Lafitte's pirates continue fighting in the Battle of New Orleans. Plus, universities from the U.S. and China collaborate to rank the best emoji ever. And European blockade begins in the Venezuelan crisis. All right, so now let's do this. 1814. Lafitte's pirates continue to fight in the Battle of New Orleans. Yo-ho-ho and a big bottle of Jean. Lafitte, that is. Born maybe in either France or Saint-Domingue. Sometime around 1780, but nobody seems to know for sure. What we do know is that he probably did not fight on the front lines at this battle in the War of 1812. And here's another spoiler alert. The Kentucky Rifleman showed up to the Battle of New Orleans without any rifles. But that's another story. Jean Lafitte was a shivermy timber swashbuckler who set up a colony on the small islands of Barataria, which consisted of his gang of thugs. He and his brother Pierre had a blacksmith shop that was used as a front for smugglers and slavery. The British had asked him to join their alliance against the Americans, and Lafitte would be considered a valuable asset since he knew the area, had some ships, and trained fighters on board. But while the British were destroying American troops out at sea, land battles was a whole different story, with the exception of Detroit and Canada. Old Hickory Andrew Jackson was doing a fine job of repelling British troops in the south near the Mississippi, and though he was outnumbered in New Orleans, he was heading there anyway. Lafitte suspected the victory of the battle would ultimately be won by the Americans, so he turned down British offers of joining their army in exchange of British-owned land west of the Mississippi. Instead, he accepted Old Hickory's proposal which was fight for the Americans, and in exchange, all his men would be pardoned for past crimes. Avast ye! To Latif, this was the better deal. With Latif assisting the Americans, Old Hickory would defeat the British on land at New Orleans. Meanwhile in the world, Napoleon Bonaparte was defeated by the Russians, France and England signed a peace treaty, and the United States had beaten the British once again and the two countries signed the Treaty of Ghent on the day before Christmas in 1814. Yet Old Hickory and Lafitte's men kept fighting, not getting the news, until two months for the memo that Red Peace was declared to reach the East Coast by ship, then to the South by horse. Ahoy matey! Once the fighting stopped, Lafitte went back to his horn-swaggling ways, making the enemies dance the hempen jig when needed. He reportedly had a wife and child and was forced in 1820 to leave his fortress at Gavelston. 
There was never any real evidence that he served at the front lines during the famous battle, and his involvement may have been from a command position. These days, Lafitte's blacksmith shop sits on Bourbon Street. Legend has it, this was Pierre's shop that Jean used for sanctuary to get away when things got a little tough during some of his quote-unquote transactions on Royal Street. So if you're ever in the area, check it out. 2017. The United States and China band together to name the most popular emoji. That's right. I hate to sound like a cybersecurity specialist, but lest you think that your data is truly protected, then know this, me friends. Researchers at University of Michigan got together with Peking University to filter through 427 million messages from nearly 4 million smartphone users from 212 different countries and regions around the world. 212! I didn't even know there were that many. So think of all the different cultures, right? Well, out of all the emojis used, the most popular was the round yellow face with tears of joy and a big open mouth smile. In some ways... I guess it answers the question, which is heavier? The Elmau, you know, the laugh my ass off, or the Raffle, the roll on the floor laughing? And I'm guessing Elmau would be heavier, since having your ass literally fall off just makes everything funnier. 1902. European blockade begins in the Venezuelan crisis of 1902 to 1903. Germany had control over Venezuela until a civil war broke out in 1892 and another one in 1898. Venezuela owed some money because of this, not just to Germany, but other European powers as well. But Venezuelan president Cipriano Castro refused to cough up any money, relying on the Monroe Doctrine for protection. So much for the Colossus of the North, right? Anyway, Germany and Italy sent a naval blockade over there. America, in return, sent a bigger ship, threatening war against Germany if Germany invaded Venezuela. The Europeans backed down, and U.S. President Teddy Roosevelt began an arbitration to work this out peacefully. This led to Venezuela giving up 30% of its custom duties to settling claims. Then, the Permanent Council of Arbitration, or the PCA in The Hague, which was a tribunal arbitrator to territorial and maritime boundary disputes, awarded preferential treatment to the blockading powers against the claims of other nations. The Rough Rider Roosevelt, as well as the rest of America, assumed that this would lead to future European intervention. Quote, We cannot afford to let Europe get a foothold in our backyard, so we'll have to act as policemen for the West, said President Teddy in addressing the Roosevelt Corollary to the Monroe Doctrine, which confirmed the right of America to interfere for the sake of stabilizing the economic affairs of small states in the Caribbean and Central America should they be unable to fork over the money for their debts and thereby precluding European intervention. And so that scholars is going to wrap it up for January 13th on Joe's Daily U.S. History Lesson. Once again, I am your host, Joseph DiCristoforo. Check out the website, joesdailyushistorylesson.com, as well as the Facebook page, let me know what your take is on today's program. For instance, a vast ye. What about Latif and his pirates taking care of business in the Battle of New Orleans? Or what about the Venezuelan crisis? Did Latin America countries benefit at all from the Monroe Doctrine? So yeah, let me know what you think. And while you're at the website, you can take a shot at some of the multiple choice questions. So good luck with those. 
And be sure to check out tomorrow's program. I'll talk about the Species Resumption Act, Paul Bunyan, and Dion Lewis. So don't miss that. And until then, thanks for listening, everyone, and thanks for being great patriotic Americans. And we will see you tomorrow.